y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 313, I have the privilege of introducing you to one of my new friends, Jackie Askvig. Within days, God was telling us that we were the family that we were asking God to send. And he He showed us that, I think, just through continuous prayer and not like we just had total peace about it. We were super scared, but we just both felt like we, again, we don't have any reason not to do this. Like there's plenty of reasons that we could come up with, but no real reason that really seemed good enough to say no to it. So we committed to adopting him. We didn't we didn't even know what country he was from to start with. People ask me like, so how did you choose international adoption? How did you choose Ukraine? How did you choose your boys? What disabilities were you okay with? And I say like, we, we didn't even know who this boy was or where he lived or what his diagnoses were. God just said, that's your son. <laughs> I invited Jackie to be on the show after finding her on Instagram. I noticed a dramatic transformation in these two boys she'd adopted from Ukraine. Particularly, you could see the visible change in her son, Miles, uh, who, y'all, you have to click on the link in the show notes to see Miles when they adopted him and then Miles today. It is shockingly amazing. And I said, Jackie, let's talk about the power of a mother's love. It's Valentine's Day. Mom's love is uh, a really valuable thing. And um, adoptive moms and birth moms and surrogate moms, all the moms out there loving. And she said, I'd really love to talk about how we chose to obey God and have seen him be faithful, even when those around us thought this was a bad idea, when we feel overwhelmed still, that we have found He provides enough strength when I do not have enough. And I thought that is a message I know moms need to hear more than ever right now because we are all feeling overwhelmed. So Jackie's going to share a story. Yes, it's about adoption. And yes, there's some great tips for those of us um, who are friends of those adopting and those who are in positions of either caring for those with special needs or adopting children, fostering. Ultimately, this is about trusting God, knowing that if you feel like you're not enough, the truth is you have limits and God is limitless and he is available. And she shares a fantastic breath prayer. Don't miss it at the end. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Jackie, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. My first ever podcast. Well, I am honored that you trust me, that you trust me with your story and your time and When I found you on Instagram, I don't even know who shared your account with me, but the transformation of your boys just took my breath away. I was, I mean, I was with my in-laws and the family. I said, guys, look at this. My son had just been to the Ukraine. And so he was just in awe. And so before we get into your whole story and just all that God has done um, in your life through this experience, introduce everyone listening to your family real quick. Sure. Well, my husband, David, and I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
with six children of ours. <laughs> we have Jonah and Miles, who were both born in Ukraine and adopted in 2018. And they are both 18 years old now. They were 16 when we adopted them. And then we have our biological children. We have May, who is eight. Arlo is six. And then we have our little surprise twins, Joy and Robbie. They are four years old. Surprise twins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> of all the things I'm going to talk about today, maybe that's the craziest one. <laughs> I mean, I think when you have twins not first, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never had twins, but <laughs> I can imagine that if that's not your first mm-hmm. experience, that it's a bit overwhelming. It's a little scarier. <laughs> yeah, because you've only done the singleton. But when your twins are first, you don't know any other way. So the mm-hmm. challenges or if you have triplets first or quads first, it's like... You don't know that it could be a lot easier, right? (laughs) Just one at a time. Oh, man. So I know as moms, we compare, we do this, we compare like, oh, why is she just so amazing? She has these six kids and these twins and these, you know, children from Ukraine with high special needs and medical needs. And she just does it all so well. I wish I could be Jackie. And so talk to us through like, those comments you get from moms? Like, what do they say to you? Totally. I think that probably the most frequent thing I get is like, I could never do what you do. I wish I was as organized or calm or patient or clean as you. (laughs) And and these are usually not from people who know me because they know I'm probably none of those things. But it's a huge misconception, I think. And I wanted to share my story and speak into that because I'm not any better than any other mom. Yeah, we kind of rank motherhood. I just had a mom on the show who homeschools. And just even that conversation, it's kind of like we decide that if you're a really good mom, you homeschool. And then as believers, mm-hmm. we're like, if you're really, really good believers, you adopt. Mm-hmm. You, know, you adopt other people's children. And so talk us through how you landed into adopting. How did you follow God's lead? Sure. So I talked about having baby twins, but <laughs> we had three foster boys when we found out we were having twins. Oh, so wow. we had our two young toddlers and then we took in three little boys and I was pregnant at the time. And six weeks after we took in those boys, we found out it was twins. Oh, wow. So we had seven kids under seven and we had those boys for over a year. And they went to be with another family and we took a little break to catch our breath (laughs) and we felt God calling us back towards something more foster care or adoption or something. And I felt it really urgently. And I just kept asking him, what do you have for us? And he told me he would make it clear and he wouldn't leave me alone. And so my husband said, okay, let's get back into foster care. So we fostered a teen girl for about a month. And then she went to live with um, family friends. And we thought that that was just our path back into fostering teens, maybe. I want to take a quick second because I think for some moms, they get caught up in this whole God calling you. And he said, and we've done episodes on listening to the Lord, but I'm just curious for y'all, like with the fostering, 
what did that look like? Was that like times of prayer? You just were listening and God told you that, or it was interactions with other people. How would someone who's maybe feeling that prompting, I don't know, could you give her advice? Yeah. I think that we always have foster care on our minds. I had volunteered at the Christmas box house, which is a shelter for kids who get put in foster care, but don't have a home to go to yet. So I like, I really felt. You were already in that that space. Yeah. Yeah. When we got married, I felt like I was aware of the need and I had seen the kids and seen that they're amazing kids that are not there for anything that they've done. And David always felt like uh, he would want to adopt someday. So it was on our minds, but um, we didn't really know when. Yeah. Yeah. So you're united in that. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's like one and not the other. So that's helpful. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. And it's super important, I think, to be on the same page. So we, I mean, going back to when we first started foster care, when May and Arla were really little, Arla was not even one yet. We went to this foster care adoption information night at a local church. And we left that feeling like we think we'll probably do foster care someday. And so we just started praying about it. And just in our discussions, we were like, well, will we wait till our kids are older? Hmm. And we couldn't really think of any reason why not to do it now. So we prayed like, God, when would you have us do this? And he didn't like speak to us in a dream or something. It just felt like there was absolutely no reason to wait. And he just, he opened doors in that. We sold our, we fixed up our house and sold it because it was way too small to have any more kids in. And we found, we sold our house without anywhere to go. And then we found the perfect house, which this was years before we adopted our boys who are both wheelchair users, but he, God gave us a house. that's all one level and totally accessible to wheelchairs. Wow, that's fantastic. So that's when we started fostering. Um, we just decided to work on getting our license while we were fixing up our house. And and that's a process too, like to commit to. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So you fostered the three boys mm-hmm. and, and then took a break and you said you fostered a teen girl. Yeah. And, uh, and when we, when we got the call for her, David was still like, I don't know, that was really hard. Our <laughs> twins are just now like they were one. And he was like, I feel like we're just now getting into a good routine. Yeah. But then we got this call for her and he was like, he felt such peace that I was like, okay, if you feel that peaceful about it, we'll say yes. So each time God has just made it like very peaceful and very clear that case by case to say yes or no to different kids. And with it being a month, I just had a listener reach out about like when you do foster care and the children leave, helping your other children with that grief process that mm-hmm. where they've bonded. Do you have any quick advice? I know we're not even yet quite to your adoption story, oh, but I feel like you're yeah, such a great resource. Okay. <laughs> Um, so our boys, our boys leaving was hard because we didn't know if we would adopt them or not. And, but we talked about it the whole time. Like they're here for us to take care of for as long as they need. And it wasn't ever like, oh, they're going to stay here forever. They're going to be here forever. Our kids always knew that they could leave and that that our job that we signed up to do was to just love them while they were there. So we, both of them, um, we're a little bit different. The boys were super slow transition and we still have contact with them. We still have a good relationship with them. So that wasn't as hard 
the girl that we fostered, we also knew that that was probably going to be temporary because these family friends were waiting on a background check. So I think our, we went into it with pretty good expectations for our kids that this isn't going to be forever. And then we had a pretty good warning when she was going to leave. I know it's not always like that. Sometimes it's pretty sudden, but we really advocated for gentle transitions and making sure our kids knew the whole time what was going on as much as they could understand at their ages. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's helpful. I think prepping your kids before and communicating with the agency as much as possible. That's Mm -hmm. good advice. So you had her for a month and then what happened? (laughs) So that was in March of 2018. And then my husband got a new job. So we told our it's called an RFC. It's just who like helps with placements. We told our RFC that we wanted to put our foster license on hold while David started a new job. And so he started a new job in April. And then in May, we saw a picture of a, a boy, a teenage boy that looked like a baby on Reese's Rainbow, which is an advocacy site for Ukraine and all different countries, uh, mostly kids with disabilities. So this boy was looked like a little baby skin and bones and his picture was just shocking he had a little pink shirt on and it kind of went viral on Facebook just because he was so tiny and so I showed my kids and my husband like oh my gosh I think I said like this is why I don't follow Reese's Rainbow because it just breaks my heart every (laughs) time and I mean I had known about that site for years and I had followed different moms that blogged about their adoptions but I hadn't seen a lot of posts from Reese's Rainbow. So this boy came up and we prayed for him and my kids just kept bringing him up because it was so shocking, I think, like his state. And they just couldn't understand, like, why don't they feed these kids? So so we kept praying for him uh, that God would send a family. And, and within, how old was he then? He was 16. Well, I guess he was 15 in the picture. Yeah, okay. He was 15 and... Within days, God was telling us that we were the family that we were asking God to send. And he He showed us that, I think, just through continuous prayer and not like we just had total peace about it. We were super scared, but we just both felt like we, again, we don't have any reason not to do this. Like there's plenty of reasons that we could come up with, but no real reason that really seemed good enough to say no to it. So we committed to adopting him. We didn't, we didn't even know what country he was from to start with. People ask me like, so how did you choose international adoption? How did you choose Ukraine? How did you choose your boys? What disabilities were you okay with? And I say like, we, we didn't even know who this boy was or where he lived or what his diagnoses were. God just said, that's your son. (laughs) So we committed to him. And then a few weeks later, God showed us another little boy, a little boy. He was also uh, 15. He was about to turn 16 in two weeks. And he was at the same orphanage. And he was asking a dad there that was adopting his friend to please find him a family. Mm. because he knew he only had two weeks. The U.S. doesn't allow children to be adopted after 16. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a U.S. rule. So this boy knew that he had two weeks to, for a family to commit to him. So this dad was advocating for him, and we 
started advocating for him too. And then it like, we just felt like God told us that is your son too. So pretty soon in a matter of weeks, we were in the process to adopt two boys from Ukraine. Which is no small thing. Like if you walked through international adoption with friends and then two and teens and lots of special needs, that's no small thing just to get the paperwork ready. Mm. Oh yeah. So how long was, I mean, that process for y'all, how long was that process until it was, it was actually only six months. Ukraine is the fastest country to adopt from. And yeah, it's like faster than a pregnancy. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. So ours was a little expedited. The average is like seven to nine months from Ukraine, but uh, with Miles's medical needs, we got a medical expedite and people were willing to file paperwork so that we could go a little bit faster, but yeah, six months, we brought them home in November. So, and what, what are their, their needs that once you, like, I don't know if they even told you the needs before you got to Ukraine. Yeah, they both. So they, so the kids there have like a government listing that has diagnoses that may or may not be true. (laughs) So you, you get a little bit of a list, but you don't know totally till you get them home. So Miles was obviously grossly malnourished he also was born with cerebral palsy, microcephaly, and fetal alcohol syndrome. And each of those, like I've worked with kids that have each of those separately as a lot mm-hmm. of therapy and a lot of the medical needs associated with each of them. So all three together. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. I remember yes. And Jonah was born with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. So he is, he is more cognitively typical. He does have some delays, Um, but his biggest thing was we didn't, we knew he had some pressure sores. They told us when David got there, Um, but we didn't realize until we got him, we picked him up and then eventually got him home that he had a life-threatening case of osteomyelitis, which is bone infection. So he had had this pressure sore for six years and oh it, the infection was spreading throughout his body. So we kept, actually, when we were in, in country in our little apartment in Ukraine with these two boys, we, had, we brought a nurse practitioner with us. And we kept taking Miles' temperature, watching for refeeding syndrome, which is um, when somebody's grossly malnourished and you start giving them calories, their body can like start shutting down. So we kept taking his temperature, and I just... I felt like his temperature was a little low one night. So I took Jonah's to see if my thermometer was working and his temperature was 107 oh and gosh. it was consistently 107 until we admitted him to the hospital when we got to the U S so. Oh my he, gosh. And it, and he had been living with that infection for years. <laughs> so they were both in pretty rough shape. I love that my job is getting to share these inspirational stories with you because of sponsors like Function of Beauty. So what is Function of Beauty? Well, it's the world leader in customizable beauty. They have these precise formulations for your hair specific needs. And let me tell you, I went and saw my hairdresser this past week and she immediately said, Heather, your hair is so much thicker than the last time you came in. And I was like, well, I've been using this shampoo and conditioner by Function of Beauty, where I got to go in and kind of describe what my current hair was like, what my goals were, one of which was to volumize. And then I got to do fun things like pick the color and decide what label's gonna be on the side. 
The benefit, too, is that Function of Beauty is vegan, cruelty-free. They never use sulfates or parabens. You can even go completely silicon-free. And there's over 54 trillion possible formulations. Unbelievable. If you want to never buy off the shelf, just to be disappointed, again, go to functionofbeauty.com slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone. Take your quiz and save 20% off your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. So go to functionofbeauty.com slash DMA, let them know that I sent you, and get 20% off of your order. Functionofbeauty.com slash DMA. You know, I know y'all live in community and as you all are feeling led, and these are the boys that God is bringing to you, how did your community respond to your decision? Well, I feel like there were a few that like had adjusted to our crazy with foster care and we're like, oh, this <laughs> is kind, to of, your crazy. kind of wild, but we're not surprised. And, but there were a lot of really well-meaning people, friends and family and people from our church that were outright discouraging. They had a lot of hesitation. They were skeptical. They were criticizing us, telling us you're ruining your lives. You're ruining your kids' lives. Your biological kids are going to disown you. You're going to resent these boys for the rest of your life, telling us we were doing it just for the praise. And there wasn't really a whole lot of praise (laughs) coming in. So It's kind of a misconception, but ultimately the message we were getting is that we were not enough and so we shouldn't do it. And the lie is not that we aren't enough because that was totally true. The lie was that that was reason enough to disobey God. And people told us this is a bad idea. And we said, yeah, it is. We think it's a bad idea too, but it wasn't our idea. And like, what are we supposed to do? Just totally disobey God. So we asked people to join us in prayer that we were already praying that God would open and close the doors like he had done in foster care and to show us his will super clearly. And he totally did every step of the way. I love, I hope y'all heard that. It was a bad idea, but it wasn't our idea. It was God's. I mean, think all through the Bible. There are so many times where you're like, really? I don't know. I don't know if that's the best idea. And the outside. And then it's like, oh, but this is God's ultimate plan. And and -hmm. I think it's a word for us as we're walking in community. Sometimes our logic and our protection of those we love can be discouraging. And so, yeah, being a voice, but (laughs) more than anything, I think being a support and believing our friends, uh, especially if what you're doing is in line with the Bible. You weren't like saying, you know, we want to do something harmful in a like, we're going against God's commands for our Mm -hmm. lives. That's a different story. But this was like, you're following God and doing something that he calls us to do, which is love others. And it's extreme and it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I know it wasn't easy, What helped you as you're not getting that support from other people? I think being so sure that uh, that we were on the same page and that every time we went to him in prayer, I mean, it was coming 
I don't really believe in signs, but everything, every sermon at church, <laughs> yeah, every, every yeah. song we would sing, we would just be like, wow, the heart of God for orphans is everywhere. And it's so apparent. And, and the message that you don't have to be enough. <laughs> so I was reading the book, uh, Nothing to Prove by Jenny Allen. And I know you've had her on your show. She's so great. But her book gave me biblical truth that we are not enough, but God is, and we don't have to do things for him. We can do things with him. And I think that was, that really helped me process like how hard our foster care journey was and that I could rest in, Hey, I know that that was hard and this is going to be hard, but I don't have to, I don't have to be enough for this and I can rest in his enoughness instead of trying to be perfect myself and move my goal from success to just trust in him that we can do this. That'll preach to every mom walking Mm -hmm. through a pandemic right now. I know myself included. I had a little meltdown yesterday with my small group Mm -hmm. with performance pressure. And so I get that. That is real and moving from it being in our own efforts, but in trust, that'll speak. So we were also reading, my husband was reading, um, oh, I think it's called the Action Bible. Yeah, we love the Action Bible. Yes, the comic book one. Yes, yes. Yes. We were reading that and we are in the story of Gideon. Like this, I think it was right in May when we first started coming to all of this. We were reading about Gideon and Judges with our kids and we just kept looking at each other like, wow, is this like us? <laughs> because Gideon was called to save Israel and he kept questioning God, like, are you sure? Are you sure I'm the one? And asking for clarification that this was God's will, that he was really the one that was supposed to do this. And God answered him every time so graciously, but he also cut Gideon's army of 30,000 down to 300. And he told him that he did that. So Israel would have no doubt that it was God and not their own hand that had saved them. And we felt like surely no one would wonder whether we were doing this by our own strength, because it would be very apparent that it was by God's hand alone, especially when we added a second child. We were like, well, I guess we are Gideon right now. And we actually gave Miles a middle name Gideon because we felt like our story was so much like his, that this was not our own strength. That's my word for 2021 is strength. Strength. Yeah but in the way that you're talking about it, <laughs> like mm-hmm. not that I have to muster it for myself. Ugh. Okay. So take us through, because I know it's not easy. So all of that, give us testimony to how that worked its way out. Yeah. So we, like I said, six months after we, after the day we committed, we brought our boys home and David traveled to Ukraine three times. Oh, wow. He went on the first two trips by himself. So he was there for a little over a week. Both of those times he met the boys by himself and, and committed to them. He, the first night after he met them, he just called me sobbing and he is not a crier. Mm. And they, there were diagnoses on his file that we found out later had resolved themselves, but there were heart diagnoses. Um, and we had arranged for a, a flight nurse to go with us. And once she saw pictures of him and talked to David, she bailed. Oh gosh. <laughs> and there was an adoptive 
father that we talked to that is a doctor and he was like, I don't think you should adopt him. You're going to kill him trying to get him on a plane. Oh my so gosh. It's oh like David gosh. stayed up almost all night in his little Ukrainian hotel room praying like, what do I do? Do I say no now? Like, did I get all this way? And now all these all these things are happening. And Miles just screamed and screamed when David met him that first day. But the next day he got there and God just gave him total peace. And Miles let him hold him. Um, wow. He hadn't, he wasn't really held. He spent 16 years in a crib. So the, wow. they call them the sick kids, the ones that are really cognitively impaired. And they just think of them as sick and frail. And it's a whole cultural thing it's i i really have had all of my negative i mean i still obviously think orphanages are not where kids belong but they don't know any better a lot of times so they kept these kids in cribs and they called them the sick kids and they just didn't hold them or move them or interact with them a whole lot they just um very very low stimulation so david just holding him was a lot yeah so anyway he felt total peace after that day and he committed to them and then he went back a month later for court and then in november we both went to pick them up i got to go with and i was terrified totally terrified i hate flying oh interesting <laughs> flying is like my most my biggest fear um wow. so just just flying there was a huge deal and then we were flying from their little town Herson to the capital Kiev and on a little outdated super small plane in a snowstorm and Miles was had been screaming for 24 hours we picked him up he was fine and then a couple hours later he just started crying and he cried for over 30 hours Oh straight. Um, so he's crying on this plane. People are not used to seeing people with disabilities out in Ukraine. They're all sitting in orphanages or institutions. So people were not subtle at the airport or on the plane <laughs> seeing our boys. They are, nothing is accessible there. So like there's no ramps. There's no, nothing is made for a wheelchair to fit through for Jonah. So it was just a very stressful time. And I had a total panic attack and I was sure we were all going to die on this plane. And David just looked at me and said, we are not here because we knew we could do this. We are here because God asked us to. And that was like a, okay. And I, I, I think about that moment all the time when I'm like, I can't do this. We can't do this. Why are we doing this? Two years later, I still have those moments, but I didn't do it because I wanted to, or because I thought it was a good idea. I did it because God asked us to, and he is enough for us. Wow. Okay. So you're two years later. Mm -hmm. Have there been more moments, like you said, it's, it's still not easy, but have you, how have you worked through, I mean, having a panic attack is not a small thing and where have you found support or help for yourself? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it's a lot, it's a lot. Yeah, it has been a lot. It didn't, I try to tell people, I mean, the adoption process is not for the faint of heart, but it doesn't stop when you land in America. The, the hard work starts there, just like the hard work starts once you get married or the hard work starts once you have a baby. The hard work starts once you have adopted the kids. And 
I just want to emphasize that just because uh, God told us to do this didn't mean he suddenly made us good at parenting or made it easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and adoption is all about like faith and loving these kids, but also is about being prepared. So we did prepare a lot uh, with trauma-informed care, TBRI training. What is that? Say it again. TBRI okay. is Trust-Based Relational Intervention. Um, and is that something someone could Google and find a... Oh, totally. Okay. Yeah. Any, everybody asked me like, where do I start? And I, with foster care or adoption, or even just parenting, the book, The Connected Child by Karen Purvis is incredible and super helpful. Mm, okay. And they have a whole, they have a whole training on it. It's a Christian based training, but it's so effective that, uh, the foster care organization here in Utah has picked up TBRI as like their main training um, because it's just so effective to be trauma informed and to build relationships with these kids based on that. So I just tell people that kids, kids need families. I totally affirm that, but these kids don't realize they need families. They don't realize there's anything wrong with the life that they were coming out of. So to them, the outside world and a family is totally foreign and totally terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's really important that you have supports and you have, you're prepared for that. Miles, Miles didn't just scream in Ukraine. He, he screamed at us every feeding and diaper change and car ride and bath for over a year. He still has a hard time with different things being changed. Sometimes new people baths, he really doesn't like still and Jonah thought the doctors here were lying to him and that mm. they they couldn't heal him. So he was pretty mad. He had six surgeries in the first year and he just didn't really understand that it was for his good. And he still has struggles. He struggles a lot with asking for help. And he has had to learn the concept of having a family and what parents are and what siblings are because he just didn't even understand. He knew he wanted a family, but he didn't even really know what that meant. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to grasp. Mm -hmm. It's hard to grasp <laughs> the transition of 16 years living one way and then mm -hmm. complete, I mean, just culturally, <laughs> like just culturally, let alone a neurological system that has not been fostered or supported or developed like a child that, you know, would be raised in a in a home with constant attention and needs met and dependency. I mean, there's so much that they have worked through. Parenting is hard understatement of the century. And no matter how many kids you have, what stages they're in, what their story is, it's hard. And one thing I want to share with you to make it a little bit easier is a company I found that I wish I'd known about when I had three kids in diapers. It's Hello Bello. It was co-founded by Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard. Hello Bello is built on this simple idea that all babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. If y'all want to go check them out, the designs on these diapers are so stinking cute. And if you have an opinionated toddler who won't switch diapers, have them help you pick out the designs because they are going to want to wear these diapers. They're so comfy, so cute. I had my friends Haley and Meredith try them out with their kids, and they give them two thumbs up. You bundle. You get 
seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, and even a full-size product freebie with your first order. Just go to hellobello.com slash DMA to build your bundle. They are going to send it on a cadence that works for you. Plus, shipping is free, and you can cancel anytime. There are no gotchas. So go to hellobello.com slash DMA. Get 25% off your diaper bundle. It's hard to say, diaper bundle order, and that's a huge bang for your buck. You get a lot of potential blowout saved. Go to hellobello.com slash DMA, start bundling with 25% your order, and get 15% off any add-ons, like if you want to try their vitamins or their wipes. Don't forget, that's hellobello.com slash DMA. So much. So what have been some helpful things if someone is like, oh yeah, I get this. Even if, even if their child isn't adopted, but born with some of these needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the most helpful things I think was a care community. It's an idea that a lady here took out of North Point Church in Georgia and fostering together. Um, So we had a care community set up before we even left for Ukraine. And that was regular support, not just people like randomly offering, but people who were committed to helping us for the first year in the form of meals, childcare, yard work, groceries, prayer. Um, So we knew we had this team of people, not just friends and family. We realized when we fostered that our support system needed to not just be our friends and family, but people who shared a concern for vulnerable children and who just understood the really hard work of adoption and caring for children with disabilities. So that care community made a huge difference. And then some other things we've accessed, our boys are on the Medicaid medically complex children's waiver. So they have secondary insurance through that. And we have respite hours that we can use if we need help, like from a nurse coming in. We got set up with DSPD, which is Division of Services for People with Disabilities. Um, Social Security has some financial support and respite funding. Uh, Shriners Hospitals for Children has been unbelievable. Like, you know, you, you hit the ground running when you get home and there's all these things like, what do we start with first? But we knew that Jonah needed a wheelchair that was custom fit for his body because an improper wheelchair is what was causing the pressure sores. Mm. Um, and Shriners built the boys custom wheelchairs. They, Miles just got a wheelchair from them that he can push himself around. in. I never ever dreamed that he would be Amazing. wheeling all over my house, destroying <laughs> things. It's like <laughs> a crawling, it's a crawling infant. Like you're like, Oh, surely they'll never move around. And then, then when the infant starts crawling, you're like, Oh, this is, Not fun, but great. I mean, he's exploring (laughs) and it's a good developmental stage, but yeah, it's it's challenging. (laughs) I know every time he like gets all the toilet paper out in the bathroom (laughs) or something, I'm like, okay, you spent 16 years in a crib. This is okay. (laughs) Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Kind of incredible. Yeah. I mean, it is incredible. It is incredible. I'm curious to go back to the care community you were talking about. Yeah. There might be... Um, some moms or dads listening that they adoption may not be in the cards for them right now or fostering may not. 
but they would love to support families who are through doing what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Is that something like they could find online that they could sign up for? Yes. I looked last night because I had a feeling you would ask. That. <laughs> okay, so good. I had never looked because our friend, um, our friend, Amy King here in Salt Lake city, she has been training other churches on care communities and care portals. Um, but I looked on the North point church website and there is information about care communities on there and setting up your own and then the fostering together website too. And it's all about people who may not, maybe they adopted years ago, or maybe they hope to in the future, or maybe they just understand the need for it and they just want to support you. Um, it's all about how there's always something you can do, even if you're not the one actually adopting the kids. Yeah. I love that. The podcast is don't mom alone. So mm-hmm. Don't foster Absolutely. alone. Don't adopt alone. Don't do anything alone. Don't. Uh, don't <laughs> just don't. Yeah. No, it's, I just feel like it's a, sometimes some of these things can feel so overwhelming and starting somewhere. Yeah. That's fantastic. So thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to share that's been helpful? I think that's about it. We've gotten Jonah into some pretty neat things. He, both of the boys had in-home physical and occupational therapy that we set up through their doctor. But Joan has also done vocational rehab here that so are helping that? him. Um, I think it's all over. I think you could probably Google like your state and vocational rehab. Um, but they just help train people with disabilities um, and help them get jobs that they're qualified for and that they are interested in and are appropriate for them. So they set him up with the local independent living center that helps with, that also helps find jobs, but also helps with just job exploration. What is a job? What is a resume? um, And helps kind of get them thinking about that. And then both of the boys teachers are absolutely amazing and they have helped us so much. I are mean, they able to go in person right now? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Both of them are going in person. So Jonah is in a special education classroom in a local high school. And then Miles goes to an, a school for all disabilities. It's all severely disabled children. And they both are meeting in person right now. And it's so good for them. Jonah really struggled last spring when everything got shut down. I think it was maybe a lot like orphanage life, just like oh, interesting being at home, not going anywhere, not doing anything. It was just a lot of monotony and he just absolutely loves school. So I'm really grateful that they both get to go right now. If y'all haven't gone and or know Jackie's story, um, please go to her Instagram account. We've linked to it in the show notes and just see some of the before and after pictures of Miles and Jonah and videos, um, just encouraging. I think it's super encouraging to see all that God can do when we do obey him, that this isn't about Jackie and David and some superpower they have, but it also, I was telling Jackie earlier, I think we overcomplicate motherhood so much like that we need to have do X, Y, and Z for our kids flourishing. And when you see just (laughs) the stability of a home and love and nourishment and just medical like bodies being taken care of, how they thrive. And so it's a testimony to trusting God in your motherhood right now with the kids he has given you, adopted, fostered, biological, that you don't have to... (laughs) 
add to it mm-hmm. above and beyond love and care. So is there anything else you have for us, Jackie, with your wisdom and what you've learned through this process? Yeah, I think I just would say that sometimes we obey God for the joy set before us in heaven because doing what's right or what he's asking us to isn't always rewarded or praised right here on earth. And sometimes obedience means discomfort and suffering and pain and anguish despite God being pleased with us. And I think that that's really hard. Even as believers, people think like that, that's going to make your life really hard. And (laughs) we don't want our friends and family to have hard, hard lives, right? We, we know that as Christians, we're not promised easy lives, but it's hard to see somebody actively choosing a really hard life, but that's not always what God asks us to So, I mean, Jesus said that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So his joy was before him too. One scripture that we refer to pretty often in 2 Corinthians, it says we were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we would not trust in ourselves, but God who raises the dead. So often we feel completely overwhelmed. I battle anxiety a lot and David has too just in the last year or so. And when we are overwhelmed beyond our strength, that is so we're not leaning on our own strength. So I just continually look at people in the Bible. Moses, (laughs) Moses begged God, please, Lord, send someone else. When I like I had read that before, but I read that in the middle of um, the boys first few weeks home. And I was like, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even Moses was yeah. like, please, God, not me. <laughs> yeah. And that br- that just brings me so much peace and relief that these people that are in the Bible, even they ask God, please. Even Jesus said, please take this cup from me. Yeah. So we can we can obey God even in fear and even when we feel unfit. Even if we have to ask him a lot for clarification, are you sure? <laughs> Let's and put even that when... fleece out again. Let's see. <laughs> Will you make it wet around the fleece and then keep the fleece dry? You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even when we think someone else could do it better or is doing it better, all of these mm. people who say, oh, I wish I could do that. Maybe mm-hmm. you could. We can ask God and, and other people for help and we can find rest in other people and rest from perfection and striving. Yeah. So I guess I just want to encourage moms that whatever God is calling you to, whether it's your first baby or a new job or adoption or foster care, or like you said, if they've been given a child with disabilities, that's biological. There is holiness and joy and obedience to him and rest in acknowledging that you are not enough, but God is. I just, I tell myself all the time, I, if I'm (laughs) super overwhelmed doing homeschool or one of the boys is in surgery, or I mean, just somehow throughout this process became my mantra. I just do this breath prayer, breathing in the Lord is my shepherd and breathing out. I have all that I need. Mm. I that I mean, I, I read and read like all these anxiety tips and all of these like motherhood encouragement, but I always come back to that. He is all that I need. So helpful. So helpful. And I love 
that verse you mentioned, Second Corinthians, that we don't trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, that kind of strength, that kind of power, mm-hmm. supernatural power, because he's the one who did the work in Miles and Jonah. And y'all, I mean, if you could just tell them verbally, if they can't look at the pictures right now, mm-hmm. what kind of change did God do? Your shepherd who ha- is everything oh. <laughs> that you need. Speak to the testimony of what he has done. Yeah. I mean, so the pictures are pretty shocking, like you said, but if you can't see the picture, you can picture miles. When we picked him up at 16, he weighed 15 pounds. So that's how much a four month old baby weighs. And he was in 12 month onesies. He was wearing like 40 clothes because his legs were really contractured by his sides. So his legs didn't really move out of this bent position and he needed to wear bigger clothes, but he was in 12 month onesies. He's now 50 pounds and he's grown 12 inches in two years. And he is, he's just active and happy. (laughs) He's the size of my six year old and he is a total hoot. He just laughs. There's joy. Yeah. There's joy. Whereas you described, you know, the crying for over Mm -hmm. 30 hours Mm -hmm. and just this grimace that he had. It's Mm -hmm. like you see joy across his face. Um, He's so happy. So happy. And then Jonah. Yeah. So Jonah obviously is still here. They healed his osteomyelitis. He is doing great. He is in high school. He's doing adaptive team sports through Special Olympics. He does basketball with Unified Sports. I mean, God saved his life. He was, they, the doctor said he probably had a month or two to live. So even though Miles looked so bad and he was completely starving, but Jonah was actually even closer to death than Miles was. And God gave him so much peace and optimism. Like I said, he didn't know if the doctors were telling the truth, but he was so, he had so much peace through all of that really scary medical stuff. And he is learning what a family is. And he, I mean, even now, even in the last few weeks, I've seen like huge strides in his relationship with his siblings and him coming out of his shell a little bit more. And he's like taking leadership in his classroom at school. Yeah. He's doing so great. It's amazing. So amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you that you know better than we do Mm -hmm. and that your plans are greater and that you are our strength when we have none. Um, And thank you, Jackie, for sharing all that with us today. I will link to um, your Instagram account. Do you have, do you have a website? I didn't ask you this before. Uh, no, no it's that's just fine. I'm no worries. I just wanted to that? make sure they could find you if, they, if you had something. What is that? Instagram ate my blog or something like that. <laughs> that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Microblogging is the, is the thing. So thank you really, yep. truly. I know this this was your first time sharing on a podcast and it will not be your last. I have a feeling. So I appreciate you trusting me again. And I, um, I'm praying for your whole family and for those in your community that get to be a part of that. Thank you, Heather. Y'all we have been in a season of being stretched beyond our strength. And I, I think if anything, we've learned Um, not to trust in ourselves. But if you are in a place of being overwhelmed today, I pray that you would apply that breath prayer that Jackie just shared. Breathing in, the Lord is my shepherd, and breathing out, I have 
all that I need. I'm going to pray over us right now. Lord, I thank you that you are so much bigger than we are, that your resources are limitless, that your power and your strength knows no end. And I thank you that you have good plans for all of us. I pray that we would lean into you, that we would choose your ideas over our ideas, that we would trust that even in our discomfort, you are doing something, that you are actually bringing us joy that is unexpected, that you are bringing us satisfaction that doesn't come in what we think it's going to come through. And I pray that we would trust you more in that. I pray that you would help me trust you more in that. I pray for each person listening, whatever their story, that you would be their strength today, that they could trust you as a shepherd who is leading them, who is for their good. I pray for each child who is represented here in need of a mother's love, that I know you see each person, each soul. I pray that we would listen to you more. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd love to connect with you outside of even this podcast. A couple of ways you can do that. One, I'm over on Instagram, and I've been doing some Instagram lives where I chat with just friends who have amazing resources that I want to share with you or guests that have been on the show. Maybe we just want to dig a little deeper on the topic. So you can go to at Don't Mom Alone and you can find me there. Also, I send out a weekly little email. I keep it to once a week and I just share what I'm loving, share a little bit more about what's going on with me. If you want to get that, you just go to olaheather.com and sign up for that email. And lastly, Patreon. We have a group, and this week, moms and I have just been kind of digging into very specific discipline issues, what moms are struggling through, and kind of talking about that. Also, Bruce and I have a Strength Finders, or Clifton Strengths, as it's known by now, series we've been working through, and our next one is on how to navigate conflict using the neutral language of strengths. So that's going to happen on Tuesday uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this when it comes out at 1.30 p.m., but you can always watch it later because it's recorded. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash don'tmomalone. So that's, you can you can connect with me on Instagram, via email, or Patreon if you want a little more connection. So I'd love to see you there. Become a Don't Mom Alone insider. All right, that's all I got. I'll meet you here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. 
Now that's good news. Have a great day.